Hi, this is Jonathan Horton, one of the pastors here at Grace Christian Fellowship in Odessa, Texas. I want to thank you for tuning into the podcast today. Wherever you are listening to this, I hope that this message encourages you, gives you hope, and reminds you that you are loved. Well, we are in week three, our final week of the Holy Bible series, and I hope that you during this series have been enjoying it, and if you've missed some, I encourage you to go back and and look at some of the things that we've talked about, and today we're ending it in a very practical way. Uh, We're talking about how do we study the Bible? For some of us today, you're going to hear this topic, and you're going to think, I've been studying the Bible for 60 years, and I don't need to know any more about it, but I know at the same time, we we should always be learners. But then number two, I I never want to assume that that we're in a room and and, and people are all on the same because I know that that would never be true. We're each at different places in our spiritual walk. Some of you, you're, you're in here today and you're thinking, hey, do I even believe in Jesus? Do I even believe in the Bible? Others of you, you're, you're here and, and you have that long history and that solid foundation. And so I wanna get real practical about how do we study it? Because here's the reality. When we get into the Bible, when, when we look at it, it's a little daunting. It's a little thick. You look at all this, you're like, there's a lot of pages, over a thousand. Are you kidding me? You think, I haven't read a thousand pages since never, right? And here the Bible is, and how do we dive into it, and how do we, it feels daunting. In fact, there are 773,692 words in the Bible. That's a lot of words. In fact, if you were kind of an average speed reader, and you began to read it out loud, it would take you about 70 hours to read the Bible out loud. I challenge you, go ahead and try it. In a, in a week or two, you guys tell me. Did you, did you hit it? Are you a faster reader? That sort of thing. But as we begin to think about it, we feel like there's, there's just something that's difficult about the word of God. Sometimes you might feel that way. But if you're a Harry Potter fan, you probably didn't think that it was difficult getting through all the Harry Potters. I haven't read any, all right? But if you are, know this, that, that the Harry Potter series... It is almost double the length that the Bible is. If you're a Lord of Rings fan, come on now, right? And you read The Hobbit and the three Lord of the Rings books. I mean, just watch the movies, it's okay. But if you do that, you're almost getting to about the length of the Bible with all four of those works. But still, we look at it and we think to ourselves, well, where do I start? Do I, do I read it like a normal book? Do I start at the beginning? Do I start at the end? Or maybe you've been here the last couple of weeks and you know, well, it's actually one book, but it has 66 books inside of it. And, and so you begin to kind of ask these questions. And say you do start at the beginning, you get to, to Genesis and Exodus. You're like, all right, this is going pretty good. But then you get into uh, Numbers and Leviticus, or Leviticus and Numbers, and you're like, this is just a lot of boring numbers and and facts that I'm reading in the midst of this. And you can kind of begin to lose some steam. But here's what I want to do. Before we get into how do we read the Bible, I want to talk to you about why do we read it. And and this is what we should ask as we go to, to get into the Word of God. We need to ask the why before the how. 
Because even if you know how to read the Bible, it doesn't mean that you're going to be inspired to actually pick it up and actually do something about it. So when we think about the why, it, some of it goes into some of what we've talked about. Uh, the last couple of weeks, week one, we said God has just preserved the word of God for us over uh, this long history. We know it took uh, 1,500 years for uh, the Bible to be written, and then a couple hundred years after that for all the works to come together. And then we have this, all these years later, we have a scripture that you have at your access anytime you want on your phone or something that you can go and purchase and that you can read. God's preserved this for us. Another reason why we would read it is, is not only that God has allowed us to have this after all these years, but that we saw that it is reliable. The Bible, more than any other ancient book, is reliable for several reasons. We talked about historically it's reliable. When you look at the, the places and the people and the things that are listed inside the Bible, time and time again, we've seen this play out in secular ways and, and also in archaeological digs, that it proves the facts of the Bible. It's amazing. Over 25,000 digs have already proved facts from the Bible. You know how many digs have uh, disproved a fact in the Bible? Zero. This is absolutely amazing. And, and not only that, we know that because of all of the ancient texts that we have, over 27,000 uh, ancient texts of the New Testament and over 40,000 ancient texts of the Old Testament, we know that uh, the, the Bible is textually reliable. I mean, we, we can look at what we have and compare it to these ancient texts that are very near to the original right date and see that they are 99.5% the exact same. And we talked about, hey, that, that 5%, or that 0.5%, sorry, is just spelling errors and a few small things like that. We trust it. These are reasons. This is undoubtedly God's word. But not only that, when we look at this, why do we read God's word? Because it has the power to completely transform your life. It's wisdom, it's authority. When applied to our lives, when contemplated, when read, when looked at, it can completely alter uh, what's going on in your life. If you're saying, I've just been a grump my whole life, and you start diving in God's word, it starts calling you to be loving and compassionate and others-focused you start realizing you're not as grumpy as you used to be, all right? Or maybe you just don't show it as much. That, that Holy Spirit starts pouring out joy in your life. Or maybe you just feel like, I, I, I've always fallen towards this certain sin. I've always failed for whatever reason. And you start applying the word of God that talks about that area that you're weak in. You start memorizing scripture around it. You start having regular Bible times that you're just diving into God's word, allowing that to wash over you. And then all of a sudden you find yourself saying, man, God's word is making me strong in areas that I never would have thought that I would have been able to. So why do we read God's word? Because it really is his word. And it really does transform your life. But as we continue to talk about how do we read it, we want to continue to, uh, to, to look at and say, all right, we've got to look at ourselves first before we look at the Bible. And Jesus talked about this principle in Mark chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, you can pull that out or you can follow along on the screens. But in Mark chapter 4, 
Jesus tells this parable. He, he tells this story uh, with a meaning. That's what a parable is. And Jesus was famous for doing this and doing it so well. And as we look at Mark chapter 4, Jesus, he has a crowd that has come around him. They're coming to hear him, maybe see him do another miracle. But he's a teacher unlike they've ever seen before. And they are so hungry to hear what he's going to say next. The crowd is so large that scripture, as we'll see, it says that Jesus has to get into a boat and, and push out onto the water. And, and the people, they begin to line the banks to hear what Jesus has to say. And you know what Jesus tells them? A farming story, right? Like, Jesus, we are here to, to hear something exciting from you. And you're going to talk to us about farming and throwing seed? Like, we've heard this our whole life. We know this stuff. Jesus, are you kidding me? Look what Jesus begins to say. Verse one, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it on the lake. All the while, the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things in parables and in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up and the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. So Jesus tells the story. He's like, hey, you got ears to hear? Go ahead and hear. And then that's like the end of the story at that point. He probably said other things to them. And he goes off, and a little bit later, he's with his 12 disciples. And they, they're kind of like, Jesus, what were you talking about there? They told this farming story. What did it mean? And he begins to explain why he tells parables, and, and, and he kind of begins to get to the point. And he says this. He says, when he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that it may be ever seen, but never perceiving, ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Kind of a confusing passage there. We're not going to get into that part today, but all people have the chance to accept Jesus. But right here it says, then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? And he starts off in verse 14, says, the farmer sows the word. So as we, we hear this parable, as we begin to think back to it, and Jesus is going to explain some things for us about this. He says, number one, you have to realize this, that when I said the farmer went out to sow his, some seed, Jesus says that the farmer, in this story, that the seed is the word. The seed is the word, God's word. Jesus was also referred to as the word of God. But he says this farmer, as he's throwing this on the ground, as you hear about the seed that hits the soil, it's the word of God. So then he begins to explain each one of these soils. He says some people 
Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear the word, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Have you been there before? Where, where you come to a, a, a place like a church or a Bible study or you begin to read God's word and, and you're here just kind of out of obedience, but you're, you've got a hard heart. You've got this heart that's saying, I'm not gonna change. I don't wanna do anything different. God, I'm just here to kind of look good and, and I'm in the room. You should be happy. I'm reading, reading your word because I know I'm supposed to, but that's it. And we're walking around with a hard heart. And, and what we see is that as the word of God comes and tries to, to make root, Satan comes and quickly steals that word. It doesn't even have time to be able to, to get into the soil of your heart. But then he says, others are like the seed sown on the rocky place, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But their worries of this life, uh, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So we begin to get this, these two pictures of these soils where it's almost like someone is uh, standing one foot in the church or, or with Jesus and the other foot in the world. And when they're standing on the foot that's, that's in Jesus or in the church, they're excited about what they're hearing. They're like, come on, amen. Like, Jesus, you're so good. But then when, when troubles begin to come in or when the desires begin to come in that, that don't fit what Jesus is saying, they kind of shift to the other side. And those roots aren't very deep. And that word that was first received with joy and excitement and began to grow, it quickly fades away. But then he says, hey, guess what? The word falls sometimes on really good soil. Others, like seed sown in good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30 and some 60 and some 100 times what is sown. So my question, as we get into talking about, hey, how do we study the word of God? We first have to ask the question, what's the quality of the soil of my heart or my life? Because you can learn all the things you need to learn about studying the word of God. And at the end of the day, if you're coming in here with a hard heart or, or you're diving into God's word, with a hard heart, or you've got one foot in the world and one foot in God, I wanna live for you, you're gonna find yourself constantly going back to the ways of the world. You're gonna find yourself constantly having that word that's trying to plant roots in your life and transform you and change you, getting ripped away. So we've got to think to ourselves, we've gotta say, what is the condition of the soil in my heart? Now, you could have been going to church uh, your whole life and, and, and hearing things like this and, and still had this hard heart. There's a, a young man, he grew up in a family and uh, his mom was a devout follower of Jesus. She would tell him stories about Jesus. She would uh, sing songs to him. She would quote scripture, uh, the ones that she had to him. And even as he grew from a child to an adult, she would check on him. Uh, she was kind of called a little bit of a helicopter parent, right? Uh, for Jesus though, she kept trying to remind him, but his, his father was kind of indifferent about his faith. 
He didn't really uh, have an active faith in any type of way. And, and this young man, as he grew up, he would uh, get into some trouble along the way, but he would eventually become somebody that a lot of people respected. People would look at this young man, and, and he became this professor of philosophy. But as a professor of philosophy, he would still go and, and party on the weekends and drink too much and, and run around with different girls all the time. And he was seeking a life of pleasure. He was seeking a life that, that, would, that he thought, hey, if I do these certain things, it's going to bring me joy. It's going to bring me what I want. Even though he had heard from a young age, follow Jesus. Don't steal. Run towards him. But he thought, no, 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 I, I, I've got it figured out over here. As he went through life uh, in his 30s, he would meet a preacher and, and God would begin to do a work in this man's life. And, and he would come to this place where he had been really in sadness for a couple months. And he is like, man, God, I, I need to change something. And, and as he's in the midst of, of crying out to the Lord, asking questions of the Lord, he says that, that something specific happened for him. He said, I was asking myself these questions, weeping all the while, the most bitter sorrow in my heart, when all at once I heard the singing of a child in a nearby house. Whether it was the voice of a boy or girl, I cannot say, but again and again, it repeated the refrain, take it and read, take it and read. At this, I looked up, thinking hard, whether there was any kind of game in which children used to chant words like these, but I could not remember ever hearing them before. I, I steamed my flood of tears and stood up, telling myself that this could only be the divine command to open my book of scriptures and read. And so this man, he, 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 he thinks, man, God's talking to me. He's, he's having some child or maybe it's some angel saying, take and read, take and read. So he goes and he opens uh, the scriptures. He just had some of Paul's letters and he opens this up. And the, the verse that he looks at, I don't know if you've ever done this before where you say, God, I need something. I need something. And you're like, all right, I'm going to open it, right, right. And, and it tells you something just funky. You're like, that wasn't it, God. All right, here we go, All right? And then you put your finger down again. I, I don't know if you've ever done that. Maybe you've done that, and God showed up, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's what I need. But in this moment, that's what happened for this guy. This guy who had, had heard the word of God for a while from his mom, but was living life on his own. He, he opens it up, and he reads this scripture out of uh, Romans chapter 13, verse 14. It says, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. This is all he needed to hear. Oh, I've been thinking about gratifying myself with the sinful, my sinful nature. I thought that that's what was going to bring me joy and hope. No, 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 no. I'm not supposed to be thinking about those things. I'm supposed to clothe myself with Jesus Christ. And, and so right then and there, he says this in an instant. As I came to the end of the sentence, it was as though the light of confidence flooded into my heart and the darkness of doubt was dispelled. You, God, converted me uh, to yourself so that I no longer placed any hope in this world but stood firmly upon the rule of faith. Our faith. He fell face down and he gave his life to Christ. 
this, this man, this transition, this transformation that happened for him came through the word of God. And this was uh, this, this man who uh, God radically transformed him, but he would later radically transform the church. Many people say that, that this man, outside of the Apostle Paul, it is one of the main influences in the church. This is Augustine, who became the great bishop of the African church in Hippo. This is right around 400 AD that all this took place. God used the word of God to transform his life. Even before he had a full Bible to hold in his hands, and say this is all of it, the, the whole canon, the whole collection of God's word. It's powerful. So why do we study it? Because it literally can transform your life. As we begin to, to look at the Bible and, and we think about, uh, it, you know, some of the things that I want to remind you of is that, that the Bible, it was written by over 40 different authors, right, over the course of about 1,500 years some of these authors, they were farmers, some of them were kings, some of them uh, were, were poets, some of them were tax collectors. There, there was such a wide collection of authors. Some of them wrote on, uh, while they were traveling, some wrote from an island they were abandoned on uh, called Patmos, some from jail cells. It truly is amazing the different places and the people that God used to write his word. Uh, the Bible now is the best-selled book uh, by far in the world. It, you would think that if something was going to be the word of the one true God, that it would be the best-selling book. Well, it is. It's also the most stolen book. I don't know if you know that, but that makes sense too. People are like, hey, I, I need some truth in my life. They steal the Bible. They're like, God will forgive me later. I just want to study it. So, that, that's pretty exciting as well. But as you dive into the word of God, there are so many topics and things. It's not just all these facts about God. It's so many other things where it's going to give you wisdom in, in areas about your life that you've had questions on. And, and if you're diving into it and you're saying, hey, what does it say about marriage? What does it say about sex? What does it say about friendship? Uh, what does it say about uh, worshiping God or, or, or um, coming, you know, helping me uh, come against the temptations in my life? There's so many different things. It talks to you about uh, how you deal with anger, how you have peace, how you love others. There's so many topics in here that you can look at. And though you might not be able to, to find every answer to the question, like if you're having a problem uh, with, you know, some math question that you have, you're not going to find that in here. Like, what's the answer to number 14 on my algebra exam, All right? It's not going to be in here, but here's what will be in here. I, I, I truly believe this. God's word, as you read it, as you study it, it will give you the wisdom to be able to attack and have the strength for any problem that you have in your life. It will. And so, how do we begin to study it? Number one is this. I would say, get a translation that's easy for you to read. And now, you maybe have a favorite translation because that was one that you just uh, grew up with or that your parents read. But as we look at this, you, you got to think, if you're reading a version that isn't common language that you use, and it's difficult for you to understand some of the words that are in it because it's, it's, it's not current English. 
then, then you're putting a roadblock in front of you as you're trying to study God's word. There's lots of translations of the Bible uh, in our day and age. And you need to know that most of those translations, they are great and, and they're reliable and you should use those, but you should try to find a version that you're, you're like, all right, this is easy for me to read because you shouldn't struggle trying to understand the English of it while you're also trying to understand the Bible. The next step is this. As we turn to studying the word of God, the, the first step that we take is that we stop and we pray. We stop and we pray before we get into the word of God. What are we doing in this process? We are, are saying, all right, God, I care about the condition of the soil of my heart. I'm not just jumping into it uh, so that I can learn a lot. I'm not just jumping into it, um, God, because I'm supposed to do it, but I'm jumping into it because I want you to transform my life. I want you to do a work in me. And so as we begin to, to have that feeling and that question, we say, all right, I'm stopping and praying. I'm asking that God would, would work through this scripture that I'm reading or this sermon that I'm hearing and, and God, that you would uh, do a work in my life. But then as we begin to, to study the word of God, there's lots of different ways to do it. And, and sorry, I know that, that some of this you may say, I don't, I don't fully uh, get this, but you can go verse by verse. You can go paragraph by paragraph, chapter by chapter. You can even say, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick one of the smaller books out of the Bible and I'm just gonna read that in its entirety. And I'm gonna read all of James day one. And I'm just gonna let that wash over, uh, you know, kind of my mind. And then the next day you're gonna read James and you're gonna read it with this concept of what does James say about God in here? And so you write down every little thing that James says about God. Then you dive in the next day and you read again. And you say, all right, uh, what are some of the main themes that James points out? And you read all of James again and, and you write out some of those main themes. There's so many different ways to read the word of God, verse by verse, paragraph by paragraph, chapter by chapter, uh, book by book. Also, you could say, I wanna read, just I wanna look up certain words. I'm gonna do word studies. I'm gonna look up the word love. You can type a Google search on this and find all the verses about love and you begin to, to read and study God's word that way or you do character studies. Say, I've always wanted to, to learn more about Esther. I wanna read all about that or I wanna read about David or Daniel or Jesus and, and, and you can do a Google search or you can get your study Bible and you can just get in and, and study about these different characters. Or you could choose to, to use a devotional or the YouVersion Bible app is fantastic. It's got so many different ways that you can uh, pick Bible studies that fit specific topics that you want to learn about. But some kind of tips as we get into reading the Bible, whether you're gonna do it verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, some ways that we begin to say, all right, well, when I'm reading it, how should I go about studying it? I wanna give you three things today about that. We're going to uh, have observations, we're going to have interpretation, and we're going to have application in the midst of this. So number one, let's talk about observations. As you begin to, to read the word of God, and whether it's a verse or a paragraph or, or more, you begin to say, what are, what are some things that I see in this? Uh, who, what, where? When? And we start thinking about who are some of the characters in it. Just some of these easy points where you're trying to pick out things that you're noticing about this. Are there any repeating words in it that, that begin to help you understand it? For instance, if you were reading 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 
This is called the love chapter a lot of times. Love is patient. Love is kind. You start realizing, hey, there's this word that keeps repeating. I think he might want me to pay attention to the word love in this. That happens a lot of times. Or, or you look at if-then statements in the Bible. You begin to look at some of these structures, or you pay attention to uh, also in this observation phase, hey, who was, who was the writer writing to? Who was the writer? Now, not every book in the Bible is going to share with you uh, who the writer was or who it was originally written to. And this is where it begins to be beneficial for us to have things like study Bibles. We're at, at the beginning of uh, one of the books of the Bible. It'll gen- generally give you some type of description. And, and so it can help you kind of have this idea of who wrote it and who was it written to and, and, and give you some kind of context before you get into reading it. But all of this helps in that first stage of observation. As you feel like you've read uh, that portion of scripture and you've observed a lot of the things in there, then you begin to move to interpretation. And in interpretation, uh, you begin to ask some new questions. And some of the questions that I want to point out that we ask, and we're just going to keep kind of in the line with C's. We we want to to read it, and we want to think to ourselves, what's the context of this? So there's a near context and there's a far context. Let me explain to you. So if you just read one verse, the near context that you would look at is you would say, all right, I'm reading this one verse in the Bible. I'm gonna read the verse before it, and I'm gonna read the verse after it, and this is going to give me a near context. It begins to help you understand that verse in a more full way. But then as you take the step and you say, all right, I need to kind of pan out a little bit and look a little more at the far context, you move to the paragraph that that verse is in, or you move to the chapter that verse is in, or you can even move to the book that that verse is in. And it begins to give you a more understanding of where the author was going. Because what we don't want to do is we don't want to make a verse say something that it wasn't intended to say. We don't just pluck them out and say, this, I'm going to mold this and make it into something that, that I wanted to say. No, it's God's word. And so we read it in context. So part of interpretation is saying, what's the context that it's in? Now, in the midst of, of this, I, I want to just kind of pause and, and make sure that you know that as we dive into the Bible, uh, people have come in afterwards and they've added uh, titles to the books of the Bible. They've added uh, numbers for each chapter of those books in the Bible. So the large number in there is uh, recording the chapters. But then the small numbers underneath the large number, those are the verses that are in the Bible. So as we talk about looking at the near context and the far context, it helps you begin to know that. So in interpretation, we pay attention to context. We also pay attention to cross-references, Some of the best ways to learn about what a certain passage of the Bible is saying is for you to use the Bible to help you learn about the Bible. And and this doesn't seem always like, all right, like like that makes a lot of sense, but it really is a fantastic way for us to to use cross-references. And once again, in a lot of study Bibles, they will put some cross-reference verses to the side of what you're reading. 
And, and you'll see, oh, there, there's these places that I can look back in the Bible or look forward in the Bible, and, and it will be a similar type of language, and it'll help you uh, understand that a little bit more. I, I want to show you a picture there about these different cross-references that are in the Bible, and I want to put it up on here. And, and someone went through, and they said, what are all the cross-references in the Bible? And, and let's go ahead and throw that back up there again. And, and so the, the cross-references that, that were shown up there, there are, over, there are almost 64,000 references back and forth in the Bible. It truly is amazing how uh, you go from Genesis to Revelation and, and all of the connecting cross-references that happen. The third thing when it comes to interpretation that I want to challenge you to do is I want you to, to say, uh, who was the culture that this was written for? So as you begin to, to read certain texts, you think, all right, this was written first to a certain segment of people. What was going on in their culture? What was happening at that time? Why was the author writing specifically to them about this type of information? So do a little bit of research. And once again, a study Bible a lot of times will give you some of that cultural context as well. And then the last thing I want to point to is when you think about kind of this interpretation standpoint is if you've done a lot of this other work as you're looking at studying the Bible, then you want to, and you still have questions and you say, all right, well, what, who are some other smart people? What do they say about this? So you can begin to read commentaries. And, and so often in a study Bible at, at the bottom uh, part of the page, it will have commentary for different verses that are read up above, and it will help give you some understanding around those passages. Now, you can just take and read the Word of God. You don't always have to go through all of this work, but if, if you're really wanting to study it, if you're really wanting it, it to go deep, if you're really wanting to understand some of these harder passages, you begin to do some of this work of observing and interpretation. And then the last one is this, and this one matters so much in our lives. It's application. And this is the one that a lot of times we just like to try to jump to at the beginning. We like to read God's word and say, all right, what does this mean for me? When it wasn't just written for you. We need to understand these other things first in order to better understand what we should get out of it. But as you begin to apply God's word, as you begin to read it, you begin to ask questions like, uh, what does this mean for my relationship with God? Uh, what, what does this scripture verse mean for my relationship with others? Uh, what does this set of verses have just for me and how it's challenging me, how I'm supposed to live? And then you begin to ask the question too of, hey, what, what does this scripture, what do these mean for the way that I'm supposed to try to avoid Satan and the temptation of sin? in my life. So we, we start asking these application questions because scripture should be this thing that begins to transform our lives. And if we're not just thinking, uh, oh, this is a lot of information, but if we're hanging on to it and saying, all right, God, change my life. Apply this to what is going on. We read it and then we go and do what it tells us to do. Why do we do this? Because of what Hebrews tells us. In Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, it says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The word of God 
sharper than any double-edged sword. It's supposed to get in and do some work. And, and sometimes the work that it's doing in the soil of our heart, it doesn't always feel good at first. But know what it didn't say? It didn't say, hey, the word of God is a pillow. Should be soft and snuggly and make you feel good all the time. All right, it didn't say the word of God is your emotional support book. You just carry it around with you. Don't worry about reading it. It, but it's gonna make you feel good. No, it says the, the word of God is alive and active. It's not some ancient dead book. It's alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Man, the word of God is amazing. You know, I, I, uh, I brought a prop today. This, this prop is, is kind of fun. It was a, uh, a sword that my uh, dad found in a, uh, in a house that, that he ended up getting. It was left there. And, and uh, you can't see it, but this, this is like a legitimate sword. It's supposed to be sharp on both edges. Some of you are worried, like, you're grabbing the blade. It's okay. It's dull, right? But it, it, it will poke you. But I, I, want you, I want you to realize this. That it says the, the word of God is like a sword. It was interesting about this sword as we as we looked into a little bit because it has some like biblical type things on it. We we realized that from the best of our knowledge, that that this was given to a family when they christened their baby. And it's kind of interesting. I, I I don't know which you know denomination or you know religion does that, but is this? It was given to them at the christening of a baby. This sword. That if you were to sharpen it, it would be a double-edged sword. But how many of you, when you open your Bible and you stop and you pray and you say, God, I want, I want to have good soil that this seed is going to go into. How many of you, you open it and you're like, this is a sword that I'm hanging on to. It is a double-edged sword that it wants to do a work in my life. It's alive and active. God, change my world, change my life. It's all for you, Lord. We've got to start looking at the Bible more like this thing that can be dangerous, that can be used for great and amazing things. And we need to dive into it and we need to read it and we need to make it a part of what uh, we're doing as we pursue Jesus. Because when we do, it's going to transform our lives. I encourage you, if you haven't picked up a Bible uh, anytime lately, why not now? Why not use your smartphone, download the YouVersion Bible app, and, and start diving into some scripture verses. Start doing some of these things that we talked about today. And, and, and the, really the best way for us to get to this place where we say, man, I'm really understanding God's word, is to first give our lives to Jesus. Jesus, through his spirit, he begins to help us understand his word. And so today, if you've never taken that step of accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, why not now? Why not make that step and say, today is the day that I changed everything. God called me to his word, and I want to accept him as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, I want to encourage you in the quietness of where you're sitting uh, that you can pray this prayer with me. So I want to invite everybody, bow your heads, close your eyes. And if you want to invite Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life today, you can just pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. 
Lord, I thank you that you came and died on a cross for my sins because I'm sinful, God. I've messed up and I need your forgiveness. Lord, today, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Come into my life, forgive me of my sins, and make me brand new. Thank you, Jesus, for doing that. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. With everybody's head still uh, bowed and eyes still closed, if you made that decision today, I, I, I'd love for you to just kind of let, let us know by raising your hand saying, man, I, I gave my life to Christ. I made him my Lord and Savior. That's awesome. Thank you. That's awesome. Well, church family, I, I want to invite you. You can, you can look up now. And, and, and I want to let you know that if God's doing a work in your heart today, uh, we're about to sing a song. We'll have some closing announcements, but at the end, we're going to have a time of prayer where, where people will be up front. They would love to join you in whatever's going on in your life. They would love to pray for you and help you with that and take that before the Lord and Savior. If you today accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I encourage you, come talk with one of our prayer partners. Share with them uh, why you made the decision and let them pray with you and be excited for what God did in your life. Let's stand now and let's worship Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Make sure to subscribe to this channel so that you can keep up with new content as it becomes available. We would also ask that if you have been encouraged by this ministry, that you would consider partnering with us financially. Your support helps us to continue our mission of helping people move from where they are to where God is calling them to be. You can find all the ways to give at graceodessa.com give. Thank you.